Early bird tickets to the How to Triple Your Profit, the 2Y3X methodology are now on sale. This is an exceptionally practical training event for owners, leaders, and directors of companies with 20 to 60 employees, with world-class speakers, and me, I'll be speaking, but don't let that put you off. The other speakers will more than make up for it. This is a practical training event which focuses on the 2Y3X methodology for planning and delivering very fast growth to double or triple your revenue whilst maximizing your profits. You will learn about market-leading sales methodologies, how to develop an ambitious yet achievable strategic plan, and how to use the 2Y3X tools to triple your revenue. To get your tickets, go to 2Y3X.com event. The link is also in the description. That's 2y3x.com slash event. This week on the podcast, I have an extra special guest. Jim Hawker is the co-founder of 3Pipe, a multi-award winning, truly integrated digital agency working with some of the biggest brands in the world. This is just a masterclass in how to continuously reinvent yourself and your service offering to make sure that it's as relevant and compelling to the market as possible. They started life as a very well-respected PR agency, then transformed itself into a truly digital first agency as the world of PR and SEO began to merge. He's been confronted with just one challenging situation after the next, and although each was gut-wrenching and intractable, he found ways to make sure that they emerged from each of those challenging experiences stronger and better able. Whether he knew it or not, that's the definition of stoic philosophy in action. He has been really open about the mistakes that he's made, like uh, how they've lost business because they pitched really innovative digital strategies to internal people who didn't have the knowledge or the skill set to to buy those skills so they chose a different agency that they felt more comfortable with so it's really a lesson in starting with a lower commitment then widening the scope of work and really sort of taking a client on that journey Uh, we also discussed uh, media fragmentation leadership and what clients now expect from their agencies and he says that clients are more confused than ever before and it's really the reason why we're seeing more and more open briefs if you're remotely interested in any of those topics then you will absolutely find this conversation fascinating so without me keeping you in suspense any further my conversation with Jim Hawker Jim Hawker is the co-founder of 3Pipe, a full-service digital agency. He's helped build 3Pipe into one of the most credible award-winning agencies in the UK. It all started at his kitchen table, and since then, he's oversaw a merger and two acquisitions. Jim features regularly in PR Week's Power Book of the Most Influential People Working in PR and Overseas Business Development at 3Pipe. Clients include the NFL, Nike, Oracle, VTech, Nestle, and Hotels.com. In 2019, 3Pipe was named as Digital Agency of the Year at the UK Homes Report Awards and shortlisted for Best Digital Agency at the Global Awards. I'm very much looking forward to the conversation. Jim Hawker, welcome to Agency Dealmasters. Good morning. Thank you very much. Yeah, we, did, we didn't win that global award. We were we were beaten by Edelman. Oh. Who I think I've got like five and a half thousand more people than us. Okay. So, um, yeah, that was fair enough. Close. Close. <laughs> fair <laughs> enough. Uh, no, thanks for thanks for being on the show. You've you've got a fascinating background and career. Uh, let's start at the at the beginning, where you actually get your degree from the University of Sheffield in natural environmental science in 1995. What did you think you were going to do with your career at that time? I actually had no idea. I mean, I um, I knew I didn't want to carry on studying or into a master's or PhD. And a lot of my a lot of my fellow students are now sort of teachers or academics. And um, for me, I, I did that degree because I enjoyed geography and biology at A level and just wanted to carry on studying. Um, but while I was at uni, I was um, ended up being like social secretary of various different societies and. Mm. 
it was suggested to me that my my um, my talents lay in organising uh, drunken uh, events, uh, and, um, right. and naturally a uh, PR career um, uh, ensued. Sure. Um, so uh, yeah, no, it wasn't with. Uh, I didn't choose that degree in mind of okay. anything sort of vocational, but more, more just I enjoyed studying. Really interesting. So, so you got your first taste of the PR and media world in 1996 when you became an account executive at for Harvard uh, Public Relations. What attracted you to the role, and, and what did you learn when you were there? Uh, well, they offered me a job. That's okay. What me to, to <laughs> Fair to enough. Um, right. uh, I, I mean, I, I literally just wrote off to lots and lots of um, PR agencies and had very few responses. And um, uh, Nick Taylor, who was the founder of Harvard, who is now a very good friend of mine and um, uh, and a mentor of mine, uh, he offered me a job. And uh, but he didn't have a job at the time, so he said, "Go off and travel." And I uh, actually. Actually, worked for a hot air ballooning company for hmm. six months, and would ring up occasionally and say, "Can I come back and work for you?" And, and then they won um, the Nintendo account, uh, hmm. launching the N sixty four console at that time. And I came back, and so uh, my main my main sort of thrust of work was launching the N sixty four, which was great fun, amazing, and, um, and 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 then sort of working quite across a diversity of accounts, and not mm. just uh, consumer consumer tech, but at the same time working for quite big tech companies like SAP. So mm. I had quite a big grounding, a really good foundation on which to build my career. I was there for four years and had good exposure to both B two B and B two C clients. Really. So was that where you were asked to make a documentary film, and then you spent a year living on a bus, traveling around South America and Asia? Yeah. Yeah. Explain <laughs> that. Talk, talk about that a little bit. Yeah, well, we, we took on a new client, um, a, a guy called Paul Davidson, who um, had previously um, uh, driven a double-decker bus from London to Hong Kong with mm-hmm. a few of his mates. And he'd made a, a TV documentary out of it. And um, he'd done it all himself. And and, and this, this, this time we, we met each other, he was actually planning another trip from Canada to the tip of South America and um, we were running a lot of the PR around trying to gain some sponsorship for him and find people to go on the bus trip and he actually asked me to go on the bus trip um, and I said no because I didn't want to be in front of camera and uh, he said well why don't you come and work on the trip and live on the bus and handle all the media relations and sponsorship wow. and uh, so I, I said yes hmm. uh, left Harvard and then spent a year living on a double-decker bus Amazing. Um, with 10 other people. Um, and we made a 20-part um, uh, series that went out on, I don't know, I think it went on UK Living at the time which, and various other international um, distribution across different, different channels. Yeah, and it was, it, was, it was a real, it was a fantastic experience. What an it's, experience, um, yeah. Where do you shower? Uh, well, um, McDonald's, truck stops. <laughs> Uh, people's homes. You're joking um, me. Yeah, I mean, uh, it was extraordinary. I, 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 it was the one time I was arrested and spent a night in a Mexican jail. Okay, I mean, I, I had all sorts of random experiences yeah. on, on this trip. And, wow. um, you know, but also a huge amount of um, media exposure, doing lots of spokesperson interviews on, on national um, broadcast um, media, TV and radio through North America, Fantastic. Uh, including the Jay Leno show and Fantastic. all sorts of stuff. And wow. yeah, it, it gave me a lot of it got me a lot of confidence. Really um, interesting. How old were you at the time? Uh, Twenty six. Oh wow, super yeah. young. Yeah, great, great experience. So, so fast forward a couple of years, and you become the marketing manager at Amazon. dot com in nineteen ninety nine. Um, you only stayed there for a year. Did you have any idea at the time that the business would eventually become the business that it became? No, not at all. Really? Um, I, I actually went in there to launch the consumer electronics um, tab, as they called it, or the shopping right. um, platform. I mean, up until then, they, they really had only focused on books and toys. Mm. Um, and you're like, it, Jeff. <laughs> yeah. you're not going to make any money with books jeff <laughs> stop but that I, I mean it was it was again it was an experience because I'd, yeah. I'd never worked in-house before okay. trip, which wasn't really in-house um it, it it was exposing me to much more commercial thinking as, as you wouldn't sure. be a big surprise um 
and uh, like daily sales meetings. Um, but I, I, the thing that frustrated me about that role was mm. that um, there wasn't much room for actual creativity in that um, position. <laughs> but um, I really wanted it because they had a seven-stage inter- interview process at wow. that time. God. And the more I got into it, the more I just wanted to get through that and 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 get a role there. And but it, again, it was it wasn't for me. Yeah. I mean, enjoyed my time there, and actually, I'm still in touch with a lot of people that from right. that time. Um, but uh, you know, it was a bit cookie cutter at that sure. time. Sure. Yeah, 1999, super early though. There's there's no way that you could have foreseen the way that the business would have changed and sort of dominated, not only retail but pretty much everything um, right now. And it's sort of come come full circle, which, which we can talk about a little bit later because you've got an Amazon uh, marketplace offering uh, for your clients that we can talk about yeah. a, a little bit a little bit later. Um, so so let's let's talk a little bit about Three Pipe. So you worked for a company called TriMedia where you were working on the O2 account, EDS, AT Kearney. Um, what did you take away from your time with that agency before you set up Three Pipe? Um, uh, yeah, I mean, that was a great, it was a really hot agency at the time. Um, and a lot of the people I work with there are now, you know, very successful agency owner managers running big PR groups. Mm. Um, they did, you know, it's amazing to see how a lot of those people I was working with are now leading a lot of the industry. Um, it, it, it sort of, um, it was quite political. Um, it was going through a period of change itself. It had been acquired. I learned, I learned that, um, you know you can't walk you can't get away from the business side of an agency sometimes mm. and and the and the and some of the egos that were flying around at that time um also i i sort of i got frustrated by the way that um we were brainstorming and injecting creativity into a lot of our clients without a lot of insight and planning mm. um and for me i became quite frustrated by that and Actually, it was one of the reasons why I felt that, you know, I could do better um, working for myself mm. be- because I just felt that there was room to drive better ideas through better insight. Um, so I think it was a, combi- a combination mm. of things. But that for me was w- one of the reasons that it, was, it wasn't just the good stuff. It was some of the bad stuff that makes you think you can do things better. Sure. Um, and and, and yeah. that's, that's why we set up three parts. Interesting. So so from all of the experience that you'd had up until that point from Amazon.com and Trimedia and, and, and the other agency that you mentioned, what, what bits of the culture of each one of those cultures did you take with you to build three pipe and which bits did you sort of leave behind? I think, I think the bus trip gave me a huge amount of self-belief. Um, um, and that I could, uh, as a self-starter, I could get up and make things happen without much support, which which is absolutely crucial when you're starting uh, your own agency. Um, I, I'd worked, as you say, in a variety of different agencies, but also in-house, mm-hmm. and I'd and done that from 21 to 29. Mm-hmm. And, and, and doing that mix of... of um, uh different careers and different opportunities just just i think i felt that i got it out of my system to some extent i've been in-house i've done something ridiculous on the bus trip i would worked at good agencies i worked on big accounts i would worked on a lot of small accounts and and in in that in those nine years and i know it doesn't sound a lot now but mm. i felt like i ticked quite a few boxes and and that i I had a lot of the um, experience that I'd need, and then lo- and also built quite a good network mm. of um, different clients that I could approach in my in, as a as a company myself. Mm. That um, that I, I it gave me a lot of confidence. Really um, interesting to actually be able to go out on my own. So so you set up Three Pipe in two thousand and four with your co-founder Eddie. What what made you guys think at that time that you could be successful and ultimately build? the kind of agency that you've eventually built? Um, I mean, we spent six to 12 months planning it. Um, It wasn't one of those agencies that, you know, it was just like, let's give it a go (laughs) and see what happens. I mean, we were quite meticulous and probably a bit sort of um, boring about it to some extent. Like we Mm. actually wrote a business plan. Okay. People still do that. Uh, well, we, I, well, I don't think necessarily so. Yeah. I mean, but 
but we tried to do it in the right way. Yeah. You know, Eddie was working um, up in um, Manchester at the time, and you know, we'd, we'd visit each other and spend all weekend just scoping out what kind of clients, what kind of agency we wanted to be. Mm. Um, and also, I, I'd um, approached an old client of mine who agreed to mentor us um, in terms of more commercial thinking okay. and how to start and and, and run a natural business rather mm-hmm. than just doing good PR agency work. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think I think we sort of got our heads around a lot a lot of it ourselves in 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 the way you're meant to, which doesn't often happen, I guess. Interesting. Um, yeah. Well, well, give us before we talk about the specifics of sort of the growth journey and sort of how how you got to where you are. Give us a helicopter view of sort of where Three Pipe is today. Well, I mean, it's completely different to the agency I started, mm-hmm. um, completely different. Um, and, you know, it's amazing what's how the agency has transformed and the type of people, the type of work, the skill sets um, that we have in the agency uh, the, the, than the company we actually started. And I, and that, for me, um, you know, keep, keeps me going to work every day, to be honest, because, you know, a lot of the work I see, um, even today in the PR hasn't necessarily changed much from when we started doing mm-hmm. it 15 years ago. And I don't think I could have personally been on that journey just churning out the same stuff. Um, so, yeah, we, we, we've transformed the agency in, into a much more, you know, digital first, into truly integrated agency um, across, you know, paid media, across the pay zone models people talk about paid and shared owned where we've yeah. got experts across SEO, paid media, creative analytics, um, as well as social, paid social, uh, organic social. And, um, yeah, we've created client facing teams made up of that multi-channel expertise, depending on what the client actually needs. Hmm. Um, because all the channels impact each other and, uh, you know, having a silo channel, um, uh, you know, approach doesn't work. And you can see, you know, all the big, holding companies are struggling with that because sure. um, they're trying to smash their different sub brands together. And, and essentially that's what we've done but on a smaller scale. Really interesting. Yeah. So, so give us an idea of the growth journey then from 2004, just high level numbers, 2004, 2005, 2006, um, in terms of clients that you had, uh, revenue acquisitions, what was the growth journey? Take us on that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I mean, it was it was from it's so from two thousand and four to um, two thousand and twelve, we were I would call a traditional sort of PR agency. Mm. Um, we we grew from you know two people to about sort of twenty five thirty people. Um, yeah, we won PR Week's best new agency. Um, won some uh, great clients. We were working with Umbro launching, you know, their England football kits and mm. sponsorship of, you know, Michael Owen, John Terry and wow. those kind of guys. Yeah. Um, and so we were doing some really fun stuff, like working for Betfair, doing quite a lot of experiential stunt sort of activity. Mm. Um, uh, you know, about two million quid fee income at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then to be honest, you know, the thing that sort of sparked the change was Google um so google um uh with its penguin algorithm okay. update right um bizarrely Damn google <laughs> Damn google right. right um and and so you know we took a hard look at that and and we had clients that um were therefore asking us to work more closely with other types of agency sure. whereas before i think we'd been quite sort of siloed um and especially we were being asked to work with um uh, SEO agencies because because Google had penalised backlinks yeah. um, or paid backlinks. Mm. They become they became a bigger emphasis on um, earning links through good content, and um, mm. you know we were creating content. The SEO agency was trying to create content, mm. and clients were asking us to work together. And, right, it just and, made sense. And 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 that was how actually I met my new business partner. Um, because he he was running SEO at that time for a couple of clients that we shared, and I just thought I need to meet this guy um, and understand what what he's doing and how we could potentially work more closely together. Mm. Um, and yeah, at that time, it, you know, there were some really big examples of brands like you know Interflora is the big example where they 
dropped all their visibility overnight mm. and lost so much of their business overnight because of their their their, their more traditional way of, of building backlinks. Mm. And um, it felt like it was the right thing to do. So yeah, we we essentially merged our agency in with um, a company called Blowfish in 2012. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, SEO was a very small part of what they did. They were much more of a um, paid media agency um, running sort of more performance channels and direct response, customer acquisition type strategies mm-hmm. for a lot of retail brands. Um, so we merged in with them and um, it was it was a fairly even merger. We were both similar sort of sizes. So um, it was there was no sort of money changed hands. It was a full on equity merger. Sure. Um, and then I think we spent, you know, a fair bit of time trying to figure out how to talk to each other <laughs> okay. and because you you know all of a sudden we had quite sort of data analytics um mathematical people that were you know handling client money um working alongside quite creative um pr people and you know that often didn't work very well so you know we, we've, we've probably spent quite a bit of time trying to figure out how to how to blend those teams together and, and how to talk in a common language and how to understand each other um and so we did that for uh, two or three years and then just on that how how do you do that how do you bring those two different cultures together and get them working from the same hymn sheet i think it's become a lot easier now than it was in 2012 because um because the world has changed the you know the channels have come closer together the people that were working in very different silos are have been forced to come together to some extent mm-hmm. um by clients by budgets by the fact that you know as you know one you can't isolate the channel mix um as much as as we used to um so it's it's, it's sort of been forced upon us to some extent but mm-hmm. also i think just generally i think the world has woken up um uh, more so than it was in 2012 to actually a, a need to understand how to do this um rather than sort of a nice to have it's a must have sure um and you know we we've made a load of mistakes in terms of um uh how to sort of pitch clients how to how to bring all these different things Ooh. together tell us about some of the mistakes <laughs> let's get oh, into that <laughs> yeah i mean we we've we've left clients absolutely baffled yeah. you know um clients who uh, maybe came from the pr side and we've pitched loads of really sort of um challenging digital strategies and, and in the end they've gone turned away and gone you know fuck that because actually it's, it's too difficult for me to understand i'm going to go with an agency that i feel more comfortable with sure. um and so you know we've learned to sort of take a step back and soften it a little bit and actually maybe lead on one channel and and and, and then over time um widen the scope of work that we're doing because uh, it's often too complicated, too much for for an in-house person to say, okay, I want you to do my essay, I want you to do my PR, I want you to do my social, I want sure. you to do all my attribution analytics. And actually, it's better to start somewhere and then and, and take them on a journey and, and start uh, building out the the, the, the different uh, channels that we can offer that particular client. Really interesting. Um, and I, I think that that's definitely... And then the other thing I'd say that's made a big difference is that we've invested much more into strategy and planning, um, which uh, has, has given clients and teams much better guidance about what is the actual right and appropriate channel mix that we should be mm-hmm. suggesting. Um, and becoming less, internally we've become less precious about where the budget goes because we all benefit. So, you know, you might have had, and this is, again, back to the holding group thing, you've got um, different agencies or different, in our case, different teams fighting over their own P&Ls um, and, and, and actually trying to sort of grab money from, from one part of the business and bring it into another. Mm-hmm. And actually, that's not the right approach. So I think having strategy and planning at the heart, recommending the right channel mix so that everyone feels satisfied mm-hmm. that actually we're doing the right work for the, for the right client and actually we're being compensated in the right way across all those different types of teams within the agency mm-hmm. it, it, it has made a big difference. Mm-hmm. So 2012 is when you merge with Blowfish and sort of change from a traditional PR agency to more of an integrated digital agency, as you've, as you've said, and that's when your fortunes really changed. Talk, talk about some of the most challenging times and situations over that 
period of time from 2012 to today. I mean, you talked about some of them earlier culturally, but what else, what other difficult challenges did you have over that period of time and how, how did you overcome them? I, th I think the, the biggest challenge is actually the, the, the offering keeps evolving mm. and, you know, we're constantly having to almost reset um, and rethink on an, almost an annual basis. Have we got the right people in the right places? Have we got the right skill sets in the agency? Um, and even since 2012, we've, we've made some pretty big changes. So, um, you know, we acquired an SEO agency um, because we felt that actually PR and SEO could be working much more closely together mm -hmm. because, you know, a lot more of the PR briefs that we're seeing are much more digital PR briefs um, where actually we might be reporting into SEO people um, and because they want to drive backlinks through, from a lot of the high domain authority media titles that we're talking to. Mm -hmm. and, and so, you know, if you've got a load of traditional PR people sitting in your agency, you know, you can you can only get so fast by trying to trying to sort of upskill them, and sometimes it's easier and quicker to go and acquire that talent. Um, and and that's what we did with the SEO team. They mm. they they now well integrated with the PR team, but also the SEO team work very hand in hand with um, with our paid search team. Mm. Um, and you know, paid search and SEO work very closely together, mm. but increasingly so does SEO and PR. So. We felt that SEO was a bit of a gap in our sort of toolkit, really, and, and we ended up um, acquiring an agency um, with, again, with which we were working already um, uh, in 2016, I think. Um, and then, yeah, and, and then uh, 18 months ago or so, we acquired a creative agency, and um, again, we just felt that you know we were running a lot of paid social accounts. Uh, which were burning so much in terms of creative assets that we needed that creative um, uh, function within the agency itself rather than outsourcing it. Mm -hmm. um, because in, if, you know, if we're working on a campaign for England cricket, we might need 250 different social assets sure. um, over a three, four, five-month period. So it makes more sense to have that resource internally um, and close to the media teams so actually we can do more testing of copy testing of creative understanding what works and if we were outsourcing that it would just slow everything down mm. so yeah we've we've constantly it's a sort of i don't know a bit of a jigsaw puzzle trying to f fill the gaps where we where we feel we need them based on the kind of work that we're doing and want to be doing and um and i think that's constantly evolving yeah and that's why we've launched we actually launched two new teams um, in the last six months as well, which are focused on different opportunities. So it, it, it's it's never going to stop. It's always going to evolve. Sure. Um, I'm not sure that answers the question. Uh, no, it, it does. I, I have another one about on the acquisition point, though, because you've grown a lot through acquisition recently and, and, and merging with other agencies. What's the process like when deciding who to acquire, how to approach them, how to how to talk them through the process talk us through sort of what your process was for finding and acquiring an agency yeah i mean um it's, it's been quite simple really i mean we've 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 done that through people that we are already working with mm. um that we've got to know on a on a personal level um that we enjoy working with mm. and um where we can see actually um we you know we rate the work they're doing so with both the merger happened between the PR agency and the media agency, you know, I really liked the guy that ran it, loved mm -hmm. the work they were doing. And it was the same for both the SEO agency and the creative agency. Um, and, uh, you know, we didn't go out to market. We didn't appoint a broker. We didn't say right. go and find us an agency like this. It was people we were already working with. Um, and, you know, the, that, that makes a big difference because, you know, you, you need to work with people you like. <laughs> Um, it does help mm -hmm. and, and um, you know, share the same values and you've got to know them over, you know, a year or so or two years and, and they step into the agency and it feels like they've already always been there because mm. um, you've already been working with them quite closely. Um, yeah. And we, we, we've purposely done that because 
you know, we've tried to in the past in, in various different teams upskill them, but some people are resistant to change um, and don't want to change. And it make, made more sense for us to go and acquire that talent and also bring in income from day one. So they already have clients, they're already paying for themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, you know, weren't, it didn't, you didn't all of a sudden have a team of five, ten people that weren't billing anything. You know, it was it, it, it was almost cost neutral to some extent, um, and it gave you more of a platform to refer business in both or cross cross refer business into different parts of the agency, and then have a skill set you could feel comfortable actually mm. going out to market with and and trying to win other types of business. Really interesting. So, just on that business development question, then, how do you think about business development now? Is it mainly based on the strength of the brand or are you more proactive with your approach and more targeted with your with your outreach how, how do you think about business development yeah i mean we we've um we've always been pretty uh we've always invested in business development mm. um you know it's and it's it's consistent you know it's it happens 12 months of the year week in week out mm. we just don't just turn it on and off we've done it in so many different ways over the years um where we've had new biz agencies um, that have been managed or, you know, we've attended some of those um, chemistry events, you know, when you meet like speed dating style mm-hmm. uh, prospects. But um, in the end, actually, this this last 18 months, we decided to build out our own new biz development team mm-hmm. um, where, you know, we're creating a lot more of our own content uh, through our own social channels. So trying to drive much more inbound. Mm. Um uh, and, and and that's working well for us. I don't right. think I don't think there's any silver bullet. I think you just have to do lots and lots of different sure. things. Um, and it, what, what I'd say the two things I think we've we've done well in the last year or so have been um, clients are moving around more often than they ever did, and we do a good job of staying in touch with them. Um, so when they land somewhere else, they they come back to us. Right. Um, and we're getting much better. Um, just driving. on that, just yeah. on that, you mean um, your the client, the individual on the brand side, they move to another job or they move to another role, or you mean the client has actually moved to another agency completely? No, yeah, they move to another role. And then, right. Okay. And you stay yeah. in touch. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, if you look at all the C suite, the I think the average tenure of a CMO is like. Two point. I'm being very specific. It's two point three years. <laughs> it's, not, it's not a long time, right? <laughs> no, and actually, in in some of our clients where we're running like heads of performance, heads of e-commerce, it's shorter than that. Mm. And and so you know they, you know they they're moving like every eighteen months, two years sometimes. Mm. Especially if you're running moving from one venture cap venture capital backed business sure. to another, it either works or it doesn't. Yeah. Um. And so you know, just having a strategy or a contact strategy where you're you know, maintaining that content or contact or helping them find another job mm. has been very uh, good for us. Oh, interesting. Um, and then also, you know, we've we've driven a lot more referrals through partner agencies and done a lot more um, joint events with other agencies um, where we're sort of uh, have an opportunity to dive, dive into their contact database. Uh, and then we open our contact database open to them. Um, so just mm. again gives us another pond to to fish in really, mm. um, and 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 that's been successful for us. Really interesting. So since the acquisition and, and since the acquisitions and the merger with um, Blowfish, as you said, you're more data led and insight led now. What advantages would you say that gives you over other agencies in the marketplace? Oh. I guess it you know depends what we're pitching for. I mean, we you know we pitch across a wide diversity of channels and different agencies. So every um, pitch is different, and every um, opportunity is, is slightly um, different in terms of how we present ourselves to some extent. But you know, I think we we've put a lot of um, investment, time, and money into developing our own technology, um, our own tech stack. Um, and I think that's really created a point of difference. Mm-hmm. So um, it's a real tangible point of difference. Versus, you know, I can go. Every agency tends to say the same thing. They have a little twist on it. Mm-hmm. But not every agency has developed their own technology. Sure. Uh, you know, we've got three full-time developers that are developing products that are both uh, for our clients and also for ourselves, um, which are you know ultimately driving 
efficiency um, and better performance of our accounts. And um, give us an example of one of the products for yourself. So we're, you know, automating. You know, I met someone recently who said, like, the aim of your business should not be to have uh, a bigger Christmas party every year for more people. <laughs> right. Yeah. But, you know, when everyone says, says to me, oh, how's three pipe doing? They say, yeah. oh, how many people are you now? Yeah. You know, and I just think that's not the right question. Yeah. You know, you know, the, we are putting. Much Thank more... God I didn't ask that. <laughs> <laughs> I was almost going to. But right. just for me, it's like sharing a little bit of um, ignorance, really, I guess, yeah. about what, what, what we're here to do, because it's, you know, with, with artificial intelligence and machine learning, you know, we're trying to reduce or reduce the number of people, not mm. increase the number of people we employ to some extent. You know, they, we don't want to keep hiring, hiring, hiring people. We'd rather be, you know, having, the, we've got a great team, believe me, but we don't, you know, the goal is not to hire another sure. 10 people, 20 people. And, and, you know, so we're developing products that um, automate um, tasks, which let's face it, a lot of people find very mundane to do. Mm-hmm. And often aren't accurate. So things like um, reporting um, uh, tools um, for clients on a weekly basis, where you know more dashboards, more visualization of, of, of our reports. You know, th- this this is an area where, where where we see a lot of opportunity. You know, our results are uh, are delivered to clients in a, in, in a in a much more accurate and efficient way that doesn't require three people to look at it. You sure. know, it requires one person mm-hmm. to look at it. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, for us, that 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 is important. But also, it gives us a clear USP for some of the other tools that we've been creating for some of the different teams, which yeah. give us a real point of difference versus other agencies. Yeah, it's so interesting. You'd never have a software company come out and boast about the number of employees that they have. They're trying to reduce their employees while increasing their their profitability. It, it, it always struck me mm. as like a really odd measure to sort of measure your worth by the number of employees that you have. Look at Instagram, for yeah. instance. Uh, so yeah, it always has been a really odd measure when agencies ask sort of how many employees do you have as a measure of success yeah um, you see as you see it on award entries like how's your headcount changed this year mm. and it's like well you know i, I get frustrated when i see that it's actually because say actually we've not we've not hired anybody this year but also our, our profits have gone up and our turnover has gone hmm. up because we're more efficient sure and and that for me is that's more important definitely really interesting so so talk about sort of what changes you've seen in what clients now expect from agencies over the last sort of, you know, since 2012 when you actually made that um, change in the agency, how have agencies, how have clients' expectations changed as to what they expect from their agencies? To be honest, I think clients are more confused than they've ever been. Okay. Um, and and, And the result of that is you're seeing a lot more open briefs, I guess. Um, where they have a challenge, but they don't necessarily know how to solve it or who should solve it. Mm-hmm. Um, and therefore, you're seeing lots of different agencies that never would have heard of each other a few years ago pitching against each other. Interesting. Um, so, uh, you know, I don't view our competitors as being PR agencies, as performance agencies. You know, it, it could be anyone, quite frankly. It, it could be it could be a freelancer. It could be a virtual network of people it could be yeah. anyone you know so I th- and i think and that's because the the well it's, it's because budgets haven't necessarily increased but media fragmentation has increased mm-hmm. um there's a, a you know huge huge amount more consumer touch points um along that journey and you know we're we're finding that um you know we we're asked a lot of the briefs we're getting in the last six months, especially, are help us sort out our understanding of our data um, and tracking and attribution, and, and and let us help us make sense of what we're actually getting and how we're measuring, because actually they don't know necessarily what they should be doing or how much of it, and um, and, and without that, then then you don't necessarily know where you should, the place you to, you should start. Um, so yeah, it's, 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 I'm definitely seeing much more sort of channel neutral, open briefs Interesting. before. Okay. So clients are sort of saying, this is our challenge. We don't really know what the best way is to solve it. 
um, but we're inviting many different types of agencies to the to the table to sort of see what sort of creative response they can come up with. Yeah, or, or the the flip side is that is, is you see a PR brief asking for okay, we want X number of new business leads, mm. uh, you know, and it's like, you know, PR agencies are never going to mm. really be able to deliver qualified, you know, marketing sales qualified mm. leads. It's just not what they can do sure. mostly. So, you know, you're either getting the wrong briefs for the, for the wrong agencies or yeah, more open-ended briefs. And, and I think that becomes challenging in itself. It's like, it comes down to a lot of trust, you know, who can you actually, which agency can you trust? Uh, to deliver against this brief because you know the, the fact is if you look at most agencies and you go on most agencies websites they all say the same thing mm. um, and often that is across different channels as well so SEO agencies are pitching for PR social agencies are pitching for PR PR is pitching for SEO you know you go, it's, 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 mm. it's just a complete potpourri it is <laughs> and, and the client <laughs> doesn't is, is more confused than ever um, yeah, I, and and also I don't necessarily think the introduction agencies. Um, you know, I, I, we we went to a, a, an agency sort of day. Um, I don't know, it must be about twelve months ago. You know, and I, I met I met this client, which is now a client, but we started talking about PR. And um, we're now running all their Amazon work for them. Okay, as you do, <laughs> of course. You know, that, so it's, it's, you end yeah. up talking about something. Really interesting. You end up, you end up doing something completely yeah. different. And the point, the problem is they don't know how to solve the problem they have. Sure. And um, you know, I think you know we're fortunate is that where we're fortunate is that we've we've got real genuine expertise across multiple channels, and we can be completely honest and say, you know what, this isn't a PR thing, this is an SEO thing, hmm. or actually you need to sort your analytics out first and foremost, or actually this is paid social, or you can't afford to do, you know, don't waste your money organic social if you want to drive you know, decent CPAs and you've got real tar commercial targets you need to be putting into paid social and you need to be taking your money out of TV and rebalancing your, your media plan and doing things slightly differently. And, and um, you know, this isn't a conversation I was having in 2004. Sure, sure. It was about a tactical PR <laughs> sort of response i guess and now yeah now it's it's, it's a far more nuanced and sophisticated response that you're coming up with really interesting Let, let's talk a little bit about the advertising and pr industry as a whole because you said something interesting um a moment ago around the, the fragmenting media landscape and the, how clients are getting uh, to grips with that because one of the main challenges right now is sort of engaging with a millennial consumer audience who seems to be very distracted so getting on someone to actually notice your uh your ad or your content piece is increasingly difficult because we're bombarded with lots of information and lots of different stimuli you've got people downloading an app while they're scrolling through their phone and they're on twitter and they're watching television um so the question is so you know the ability to actually get someone's attention and get them to really dig in and, and check out the core features of your product or your service or your app is increasingly challenging. How are the best brands uh, and how are the best agencies responding to that? On the 26th of March, I'll be running an agency group coaching workshop called Proactive Prospecting for Agencies. The Proactive Prospecting methodology helps you build a strong pipeline of your ideal target customers by taking a proactive approach to your business development instead of waiting for RFPs and waiting for the phone to ring. Specifically, this will help you create your own outbound sales campaign for your agency. You'll follow a proven process that any agency can use to create a repeatable outbound sales engine. You'll also learn how to create powerful sales value propositions that make the decision maker stop and listen to you. You'll learn how to create opportunities with large accounts. You'll sell at a premium and stop getting commoditized and you'll stop being afraid to pick up the phone and have a conversation with the decision maker. So for more information, go to eventbrite.com slash proactive prospecting. The link is also in the description. I think we're seeing clients do that in various different ways. And, and obviously, you know, it's, it's, it has to be audience first. It has to be audience led and, and insight led as to 
where those opportunities are, but also understanding exactly how the audience spends their time or how they gather information and, and in what format, what con what kind of content they want to be consuming. I think we're you know we're seeing um, clients do more brand partnerships mm -hmm. than ever before mm -hmm. um, as a, as a as a way of um, tapping into brand love for a, a, a similar sort of adjoining brand, but not a direct competitor. I think that that's that's definitely um, something that um, we're recommending more to clients. Um, you'll see in the challenges of media fragmentation, it's it's no um, surprise that you some channels like outdoor mm -hmm. um, and out of home um, doing particularly well. Um, you know, we've seen that you know we're we're spending more money than ever before on yeah. digital out of home. Really. Um, and I think, you know, just finding people in those downtimes, whether it's mm. on, on train journeys, on tube journeys, bus stations, platforms, um, that, that, that's becoming um, a, almost like a reinvigorated as a, as a, as a media channel. Mm. And a lot of that's been driven by, um, you know, the big media owners um, investing in their own estate and, and offering brands, um, you know, much more immersive, much more sort of, you know, visual video content. Um, mm. rather than sort of flat poster stuff and and then offering quite sophisticated or interesting tracking um, and, and insights around uh, people's response to that um, which and you know I was with Facebook yesterday and mm. you know we spent probably two hours talking about you know you know need need for more investment into more mobile video mm. uh, and and you can really good examples of brands that are, are being much more sort of I hate the word disruptive because that, that you, you know, but actually much more sort of, yeah, but more relevant content that people want to consume, and and you can see it's all um, statistically driven. You know, you know, better content, um, mobile first, um, is is the way forward. And um, unfortunately, a lot of brands are struggling to um, to adapt. And 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 we were, you know, one of the discussions we were having was, was the reasons why yesterday and. Um, you know, a lot of the creative teams working in brands are still, you know, trying to win can awards hmm. and actually look at sort of more social mobile content as a little bit of an afterthought. Hmm. Yeah, actually, it's, it's, you know, as much creative energy needs to go into into digital channels as much as into uh, TV or, or traditional print media. And um, I think those brands that are pivoting, adapting, and and probably working more closely with the, you know, the Facebooks and Googles, um, TikToks, all these other guys, mm. you know, so they can understand the platform, uh, because the wealth of data these can these companies can provide sure. to, to help brands shape what their sort of strategy should be. Mm. Yet, yet it's not it's not always happening unfortunately really interesting jim f final couple of questions before we get into our favorite questions at the back end of the interview um we're seeing a huge amount of in-housing going on at the moment um why wh why is it attractive to clients in the first place what do agencies bring that in-house teams can't replicate or can't do themselves um and how do you ensure that three pipe isn't really being replaced or commoditized in that way yeah, I mean, it's. I think it's a combination of factors. Um, I mean, there's obviously an issue of trust and transparency, mm. and and that's that's often been sort of cited as a reason why a lot of brands want to take control of their media budgets themselves, um, rather than and run it through a media agency. Um, but I think that um, is changing. I think you know the the types of contracts you're seeing. Um, from ISPA and the others are sort of driving a lot more transparency mm. um, through through that supply chain. So, you know, I don't I don't think that would be an issue uh, forever. And in fact, you know, a lot of the media budgets that we're managing, we're actually asking clients to pay their bills directly to Google and Facebook. Mm. So actually, the money's not coming through us. Interesting. Um, you know, we apply a management fee on top of that to run to run the campaigns, mm -hmm. but the money's not sort of we're not acting as a bank. Um, and the money's not coming through us, mm. so there's more transparency because the the, the the money's going direct to the to the to the media partners. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I think that that's that's having a, a good impact in terms of um, reducing the need for in housing. Um, but uh, I mean, I, we a lot of our clients don't necessarily. I think they're struggling to 
uh, have the talent that um, or why would a you know a lot of the guys that are running our sort of campaigns are sort of mid to late 20s why would they want to work for a in-house at Vodafone in Newbury let's say mm. versus work for an agency where you're working across multiple sure. brands with people that look like you mm. sound like you mm-hmm. probably gonna have a bit more fun at work <laughs> Um, and I, I think there's, there's a bit of a talent crisis for some of those guys. And actually, a lot of, you know, Vodafone is an example where they probably have, well, I know they've got really good media budgets mm. and um, it might make more sense. But for a lot of our clients, that, um, you know, the, the budget um, isn't as high. They might have, I don't know, it's 500 to a million pounds media budget. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've got to run that across three or four different channels to find one person or two people that are actually... It's, yeah, that's a challenge. Really capable of yeah. doing that. And also, you know, we have really strong relationships with uh, Google and Facebook um, because, um, well, because we, we've managed so many retailers and so many brands' um, media strategies. Whereas if you're in-house working for a small brand, you're not going to have the insight you can get back from those platforms mm. so then they're not going to perform as well so um i i i think it's a lot to talk about it mm. but i i don't see it as a as a real threat really interesting and and just over your 15-year career at three pipe how have you changed and evolved most as a business leader as a founder as an as an entrepreneur well, I mean, I yeah, as I said earlier, I guess you know, I started my career as a, as a PR person, and I guess deep down in my heart, I am still a PR person. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, really, I'm I, I'm definitely more of a sort of a, a, a more broader marketeer, let's say now. Um, you know, I, if, if I if I, I think my my own education has has been um, hugely improved by. Um, working alongside very different people uh, from different, you know, diversities, um, from different backgrounds, mm-hmm. with different skill sets than than what a a traditional PR agency would have looked like and still does look mm-hmm. like. Um, and um, and I, I'm I'm really proud of that. And 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 that's something that keeps me motivated every day. Is that uh, you know the great thing about what we're doing in this industry is that it's constantly evolving. And, um, you know, I'm constantly learning. And um, I think if I carried on doing what I was doing, I don't think, I think I'd have become very stale and a bit disenfranchised and <laughs> bored. Sure. Um, and I don't feel like that at all. Yeah. I, I, I feel like there's always something I can learn about. Great. And um, th- that's that's what's exciting for me. Jim, let's get into everyone's favourite questions. These are the questions that I ask all of my guests. So I'm really excited to ask you some of them as well. Uh, what do you do for fun when you're not running an agency? So I, I have two very small children mm-hmm. and um, I've got two girls who are, you know, I've got an 18 month year old and a, oh. a four year old and um, yeah, yeah, they, they, they don't care what you do with the <laughs> job. Right. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, I used to struggle to sort of switch off, but now it's not, it's impossible not to because, or not to think about something else yeah. because it's like a war zone when I get home. So <laughs> I, 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 I am basically tidying up and right. uh, feeding small right. children and changing nappies. Sure. And so, and, and, uh, I play a full role in that. Yeah. So, um, I've got no alternative way of, um, switching off. Great. It's not really switching off. It's very yeah. unrelaxing, actually. Is it? But it definitely takes my mind off things. It definitely changes things from the business world. Yeah, definitely. From the office. Uh, what do you do to keep mentally and physically fit? Uh, so um, I, when I can, I play a lot of tennis. Uh, well, I try to play a lot of tennis. Um, and and uh, that's something that I, I keep trying to do and make time to do. Um, uh, and it's that's really important to me. Okay. Um, um, from a sort of um, meeting new people, having fun, and, and, yeah. and actually just keeping, uh, as you say, physically fit. Yeah, I, I absolutely love tennis. It's one of the hardest games to actually be good at. Um, it's not a game you can just pick up and just start playing if no. you don't have yeah a background in it. But when you do get vaguely good, it's a fantastic game. Um, fantastic. Tell us about some of your early mentors who influenced your approach to marketing, the way you think about PR. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm lucky I've got quite a few and um, I'm still in touch with all of them. And, and, and um, during various stages of three pipe, um, I've, we've had very formal or informal relationships mm-hmm. with a number, depending on where we were on our own journey. Uh, so there's a guy called Nick Taylor, who was my first boss, um, who um, he, he, he um, yeah, still regular contact with him. And in fact, his son now works for me, hmm. which is bizarre the way things come full circle. Um, but uh, so Nick and, you know, previous clients of mine hmm. um, as well, um, where, you know, established really good relationships and, um so it's been a number, and then I guess actually more recently, someone I, who I really admire and I, I consume a lot of their content, but I've never met would be I listened a lot to uh, Professor Scott Galloway. Okay. Um, yeah. I love, I love Yeah, love it. Love all this content. Brilliant. Love his attitude and his his personality. But yeah. I've also learned a huge amount from him. Okay. Um, which is bizarre because I've never met him. But yeah. Um, yeah, um, yeah. So, do you, you know him? Do you? Or you know well, him? I don't. I know of him. I'd love to get yeah. him on the show, to be honest. But he uh, he wrote the great book, The Four. He had that amazing uh, YouTube series, yeah. um, which Winners was just oh, yeah. fantastic. Uh, he's he's got his own podcast now. Do you listen to that? His podcast. I listen uh, to Pivot. 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 Yeah, that's yeah. it. Yeah, um, Swisher, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah he makes not, me laugh as well. He's very know? funny. He's very yeah. funny. What's what's something that sticks in your mind from what you've learned from him? Um, do you know, sometimes it's actually. I think what he does very well. I mean, he he's obviously you've mentioned the Four Horsemen in his book, mm. and, and and he talks a lot about Google, Facebook, Apple, uh, Microsoft, mm-hmm. uh, Amazon, and um, but sometimes it's yeah. actually his personal coaching stuff and his mm. own uh, his own backstory and his own insights that um, he does also do. A, does a Friday blog that talks about a lot about his family and his mum and okay. his kids and. You know, I actually makes make. I always read it on the tube home yeah. on a Friday, and it it sort of makes me think about about you know where work fits into your personal yeah. life and what's important and what isn't. Yeah. And, and um, so I think yeah, for me, it's it's the work stuff, but also the non-work stuff. There was something that he talked about when I think in the later stages of his mum's life, he was able mm. to sort of take care of her. That's right, um, yeah. When she was sort of, yeah, reaching the end, really. And he, he sort of, because he's set his life up in such a way that he was able to do that, it was really quite rewarding and fulfilling for him. Um, so you're right, he is quite open about those sorts of things, which you don't usually get from a lot of other sort of, uh, yeah, thought leaders. Yeah, um, I, have a, I have a bit of a man crush. Oh, uh, do you? Yeah. <laughs> on, on <laughs> Professor Galloway. Yeah. Uh, so just on that then, tell us about some of your favourite books. What do you read for personal and professional development? Um, I'd say, I mean, to be honest, when it comes to, I, I consume a lot of podcasts mm-hmm. and um, rather than read business books, I've okay. never been really into reading business books. Okay. Um, but I, I enjoy uh, podcasts. So Pivots, as, as we've discussed, is is definitely one for me. So um, agency Deal Masters, Pivot. Um, yeah. What are the podcasts? Okay. Um, I really uh, consume as always well, more of American content. Um, and then outside of that, I, 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 you know, I'm more into, you know, I'm reading a book about Shackleton at the moment, you know, uh, so it tends to be about more about explorers okay, um, Shackleton. and uh, Ernest Shackleton and the South Pole. So, okay. Fantastic. Um, so that, that's one of my ambitions is actually go to the South Pole because of all the Scott Amundsen, um, and Shackleton stories Amazing. that I've read over the years. Oh, so yeah, I tr- I tr- that's how I relax at home is reading about South Polar tragedy. <laughs> what are you most optimistic about and what are you least optimistic about when it comes to the future of marketing agencies? I think you're going to see a lot more M&A. I mean, and I, I don't say that because we've done a lot of it, um, but I think it's inevitable um, that, that silos will continue to break down. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, you're seeing the holding groups try and do that. Um, you know, I was actually asked the other day, would I start another agency? And I, I think it's, it's, it's much different now than it has been before. It's more challenging in a way. Mm-hmm. I think you have to be like super niche or, mm-hmm. or, and, and, uh, or, or to be honest, I don't think, you know, a one man band that we were 2004, I think you need the scale and the breadth of expertise these days. 
I think just playing one channel and unless it's like a channel within a channel, if sure. you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, I think, I think it's, it's going to be very challenging or, or, you know, much more data and insight driven consultancy. Mm. Um, I think that's, that's the way forward. Um, but then, you know, I mean, I, I, you know, I think creativity is, is really important as well, but not for creative for creative sake. And that's why, as I said, that's one of the reasons why I started three pipe. I just felt actually a lot of ideas, ideation, brainstorms was, was a lot of it was just, it was just rubbish really because it wasn't grounded in anything. Sure. Um, uh, but then, you know, I think it, this could be a whole other podcast, but you know, creativity, I read a really good expression. Or, um, someone said the other day that creativity is the new distribution because organic reach is so low and, and, and you have to have a paid approach, you know, creative, good creative can get you further. And I, and I think that's, that's, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, I think I've talked a lot about automation, but actually I think the day we start automating creative, creative is, is, is the day we should all go home. Well, um, the argument is that, is, is that even possible? Can a machine do that? Take the place well, of a human being? from a creative perspective mm. yeah i mean it, yes it, it can oh, huh. um yeah okay um, but in I the mean, same I, way that we are creative that human beings are creative um what? so i think i think it's, i've seen some i've read some really interesting case studies of, of um companies doing product development based on algorithms pulling together sort of pinterest boards of inspiration huh. and stuff like that you know i think that's sure. interesting and, you know, I think, you know, some of the challenges we have is that actually, you know, we need a ton of creative for a lot of the social channels we're running. Getting someone to do that is a very, is, is, is not a very cost efficient way of mm. producing that type of creative. So I think you need to think about creative in different ways. So um, you still need overarching brand hero assets. And, and, and that is where creative time should go. But if you need 300 bits of social content they're going to live on facebook for like six hours mm. does it really need someone to be <laughs> looking at that you know i think i think yeah. it's it, it doesn't make sense financially and brands aren't going to pay for it sure. so i think you there has to be a level of automation somewhere mm. and i think it's understanding at what level at what at what part of that consumer journey and where is it where's really good creative important and where does it where can you get away with a bit more automation so final couple of questions what advice would you give to a young person or a millennial who asks you for advice to start their own agency? Probably what you've just said, to be honest. <laughs> what we talked about. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, go for it. I mean, I, to, to be honest, I, 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 what frustrates me most is when people don't do something and they talk about it mm. endlessly. Mm. And it, but then I frightened myself the other day when I was, I was actually presented at a conference and I said it was to a room of um, PR people about, uh, digital PR and I said you know leave your jobs go and work for an SEO agency learn what you need to learn and then come back to the PR industry because you, you'll miss nothing and you'll be the most um, you'll be the most valuable person in the room you'll get a pay rise and and you and you and, you, and you'll spend two years learning something that you weren't going to learn in a, in, hmm. in a PR agency okay and then you, you can see this gasp yeah <laughs> and then I got an email four weeks ago from, yeah um, someone saying I've quit my job oh my Okay. Like, Shit. <laughs> <laughs> you, you weren't supposed to listen to me. Don't take it literally. But you know, you know, fair play to him, and wow. you know, now I'm, I'm going to keep an eye on him. Make sure uh, yeah, right. make sure he's but, okay. Um, but you know, I think you know, at some point, you you got to jump, yeah. and um, otherwise you'll regret it. And oh. I know I've met so many people along the way who, you know, kids come along or mortgages come along, sure. and um, you know. The, and I'm not saying you have to be in your 20s because there's mm. lots of very successful businesses that have been started by people in their 30s, 40s and 50s. Mm. But, um, you know, timing is never going to be right. Sure. So you might as well just do it. Mm. Love that. Final question. And what is it you know about growing agencies today, Jim, that you wish you knew in 2004? How difficult HR would be. Huh. OK. In yeah. what way? I think, you know, we've, um, maybe it's the journey we went on because we, you know, mergers and acquisitions and bringing diff very different types of people together. Um, and HR is, is always been a challenge. You know, we've, again, we've tried to do it in various different ways where we've outsourced it. We've brought someone in house. Um, and, um, you know, I don't think there's a, there's a one size fits all approach to HR. Mm. Um, and, um, 
you know, I think this comes back to maybe why I'm keen on more automation. <laughs> but, you know, you know, you want to, you want, you start an agency because you want to do great work, mm. and um, you know, uh, you end up a lot of the time having to sort of deal with people, and I think that for me is 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 proving one of the most both rewarding and most challenging and frustrating experiences. Mm. I've had and if I was to start an agency again it would be not be to keep on growing numbers 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 mm. because um you know for me it's it's um it's uh it's not necessarily my skill set but it's also not something I, I trained to do mm. and um I think you know we've got a brilliant HR person at the moment um and thank god because um <laughs> they're so important sure invaluable um, yeah and i think that that having a hr strategy is is absolutely crucial mm. um and, and especially you know with um yeah um the demands of the workplace are very different again from the work they were 15 years ago people mm. have more opportunities more choice they're, they're less patient they want to be running things very quickly and getting a lot of responsibility and mm. i think companies are struggling to adapt to providing all of that but at the same time um uh you know growing the business in the right way you know we can't have someone who's been in the job 18 months managing millions and millions of pounds worth of business because mm. they want to and mm. if they don't they're going to leave you know and, and i think we're doing a lot more graduate recruitment ourselves mm. and have our own skills training program and i think you know that that we we've we've got some 28 29 year olds who are running various very large parts of the business mm. but they've grown up with us and they know our ways of working mm. and um that, that's worked well but yeah i think i think hr is is the biggest challenge Fa quite fascinating jim thank you so much for doing this pleasure it's been great to talk to you great stuff we have been speaking with jim hawker he is currently the owner of three pipe if you enjoyed this conversation then head over to apple podcasts where you can listen to over 46 such conversations we've had with world-class sales and marketing leaders Thank you for all your feedback and suggestions on LinkedIn. Write to me at Nathan at agencydealmasters.com. Head over to iTunes and give us a review. We would be unable to do the show without our very own Dealmasters. Ahmed Ahmed is our editor. Genevieve Migeki is our booker slash project manager. Marian Begum is our head of research. I'm Nathan Anubaba. You've been listening to Agency Dealmasters. And we're done. <laughs> On the 26th of March, I'll be running an agency group coaching workshop called Proactive Prospecting for Agencies. The Proactive Prospecting methodology helps you build a strong pipeline of your ideal target customers by taking a proactive approach to your business development instead of waiting for RFPs and waiting for the phone to ring. Specifically, this will help you create your own outbound sales campaign for your agency. You'll follow a proven process that any agency can use to create a repeatable outbound sales engine. You'll also learn how to create powerful sales value propositions that make the decision maker stop and listen to you. You'll learn how to create opportunities with large accounts. You'll sell at a premium and stop getting commoditized and you'll stop being afraid to pick up the phone and have a conversation with the decision maker. So for more information, go to eventbrite.com slash proactive prospecting. The link is also in the description.